Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with Kevin Mitnick, our former hacker who now spends his career helping companies and governments uh, trying to stop hacking. How bad, Kevin, is it worldwide hacking? I mean, are the North Koreans really as good as everybody says and the Russians? Uh, I believe so, and the Chinese. I mean, it's a it's a pretty bad situation out there. Um, there's not a day go uh, not a day goes by where you don't hear about some data breach in the news. That's right. Oh um, my God, yeah. It's it's just a situation that's kind of out of control. I would say, you know, now that we're in this the cyber age, and you know, if you connect to the internet, you know, and use a smartphone, there's a potential you know risk that you could be uh, hacked, and so it is a big problem. What do they want? What do governments want? Intelligence. So, you know, nation states want to, you know, obviously gain access to critical infrastructure and also to DOD agencies, uh, military, uh, anything that they can gain control of to gain intelligence. No. And uh, every country does it. They have their on- offensive teams. They have their what they call their blue teams, which are the defensive teams. And this has just been going on for, you know, years and years and years, and it's not going to change. And I, w- I would guess that, uh, as you said, every country does it. We, we must have a pretty elaborate system of hackers, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, at uh, Cyber Central Command, uh, we have teams of elite uh, operators, as they're called, and their mission is to compromise foreign targets and, uh, you know, collect intelligence and neutralize the enemy. So... This is something that the United States is doing, uh, of course, and uh, every, every and defending. So, it's uh, it's the spy game, and uh, it's it's going to continue. And uh, what we have to worry about as consumers is when we're hacked, you know, by criminals and by other miscreants that want to break into our system, steal our credit card numbers, uh, get access to our private photos mm-hmm. and our phones, and this sort of thing. Uh, you know, we've got LifeLock as a client here, Kevin, and uh, they do their best to try to prevent some of these problems from happening. And uh, they, you know, they they can't stop the hacking, but they sure can let you know that you've been hacked. Yeah, I was on the board, actually. I was on the LifeLock advisory board for uh-huh. years before they went public. So I, I'm very familiar with their products. It's more identity theft yes, uh, rather than hacking, per se. And uh, would they help you know, give consumers visibility into when their identity is stolen. When you're thinking about identity being stolen, you know, what I recommend to consumers is you might consider spending a couple hundred bucks and buying a Google Chromebook, you know, and, you know, one of the lower-end ones, of course, and you just use the Google Chromebook to access your online portfolios and your credit card accounts and your bank accounts. You use a password manager like LastPass or 1Password, you know, there's several that are out there, and you don't use the same passwords between your Chromebook and your, you know, your other computer that you do everything else on, mm-hmm. and it really helps mitigate the risk that your financial stuff is going to get hacked. If you're using the same computer for everyday web browsing and you know, looking at Netflix and using you know, Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and whatever you're using to do online and you're using the same computer to access your financial accounts, you know, there's a high risk there that, you know, you could potentially be compromised and the threat actor can get access to that data. 
Now, once they hack, they get millions and millions of data from, you know, millions of people. Are they going to go through everybody? No, but the new the new play today is ransomware. And Explain ransomware, that. Ransomware is a type of malicious software that the bad actors, you know, uh, in, hit consumers like you and I, and they hit businesses, and it basically, in the background, scrambles your files, uh, basically locks you out of your data, and then you'll get a message that pops up on your screen saying, hey, if you want to get access to your data again, send you know $500 worth of Bitcoin. And they give you even instructions of how to acquire Bitcoin and send it. So they're very helpful in that. And if you don't do it within a certain amount of time, the price doubles or triples. And if you don't do it within a week, let's say, and just you know, give you an arbitrary number, mm-hmm. you basically never gain access to your data. So this has hit major cities throughout the United States, hospitals, um, government agencies, like even police departments. And, they're, and because they don't have good backups of their data, uh, they actually pay the ransom. And now it's kind of changed. Now these fraudsters have figured, oh, we could not only lock people out of their own data and demand payment in exchange for giving them access back to their files, but we're going to start posting their private data. So if they don't pay us the ransom, we're going to post their private, you know, company's private information, their financials, their customer list, their trade secrets, and that sort of thing. So this is where the bad actors are profiting immensely, and it's a huge problem. What is the dark web, Kevin? That's uh, kind of the Internet that you access through what they call the Tor browser. Tor, actually, the, this... Uh, Tor, they call it the onion router. It's because basically you use this Tor, it anonymizes you. So I don't want to go through the under underlining how the Tor how, how you works. do it. People can right. just Google that. But um, basically, the end result is that you, I, or anyone could surf the web, so to speak, and it anonymizes who you are. Hmm. And through this Tor browser, you could access certain sites, which are called .onion sites. And these sites are, are in the dark web, and you have, you know, sites that are legitimate, and then you have the evil sites, you know, that have um, bad things on them, and they sell drugs and um, uh, stole even counterfeit money. You could buy counterfeit money. You could buy passports, ID, uh, you know, cyanide. You could actually hire a hitman. It's it's you know it's like the criminal underworld that you could access with your browser. But the the government is really good at taking these this credence down. And you hear about you know years ago they brought down a site called Silk Road that is kind of the harbinger of you know this type of you know drug trade uh, right. websites that were on the the dark web. And you you hear about other. Um, sites where hackers, you know, trade credit card data and bank account data, and then even worse stuff that I don't even want to discuss the nature of it, but you can pretty much read between the lines of what type of material is out there. And fortunately, the FBI Secret Service and Postal Service is going after these guys and 
de-anonymizing them so they could, you know, obviously prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. Well, can't you just shut down these dark webs, for example? I mean, China's, uh, you know, thinking of developing a program to control their Internet. Russia's thinking of shutting down their Internet for their own system so they can control it. Can't can't we just see, you know, that that's a bad website and take it off? No, because then you have different technologies that are peer-to-peer. Uh, they have uh, anonymizing technologies. So you shut one thing down, another thing pops up. So, you know, in, in China, I was in China last year speaking at a conference, and I needed to get access to my Gmail. So I would, you know, use a VPN uh, in China to bypass their Chinese firewall. And, you know, and tourists do it all the time, and also people that are Chinese nationals to, you know, they, they have the tools to easily bypass those controls that the Chinese government puts up. Of course, there might be some penalties associated with doing so if you're probably a Chinese national, but people do it all the time. Well, with Kevin Mitnick, world's famous hacker. God, I hate saying that about you. (laughs) You don't have to say that. But uh, what's interesting, George, is I've kind of turned lemons into lemonade. So I was this black hat hacker, but today... I'm, I run my own security testing firm, so companies hire me to break in, and it's kind of like you know, doing Ocean's Eleven type of work. And right. I, I Do- find these holes and help the companies patch them. I speak around the world on the subject, and uh, I'm a, a co-owner and uh, chief hacking officer of a company called Know Before, and we're at about over 800 employees you know, near Tampa, Florida, and our mission is to help companies, businesses, and governments protect themselves against this type of stuff like ransomware and social, you know, phishing, uh, you know, pretext calls where the, the bad actors will call people inside your company and trick them into, you know, doing something that gives the bad guy access to the computer. So, you know, today, you know, I was able to take all this, like, juvenile delinquency stuff that I did in the past and actually turn it into something that, you know, helps the community. So it's a, it's a very rewarding uh, like career, if you will. Somewhere out there, is there another young Kevin Mitnick? I think so. I think there's lots of Kevin Mitnicks. I get emails all the time. What do I do? I want to get into hacking. You know, <laughs> where do I start? And the first answer is, don't follow in my footsteps. Exactly. <laughs> That's the first Exactly. Thing. And then I try to help them, you know. Uh, well, they think it's a game. A they, th- they think it's a game, don't they? Well, Back when I was started hacking, it was a game. You know, it was it wasn't. You know, there were, this was before the internet. This was ARPANET, so it was all about the challenge of beating the computer. And then um, nowadays, because you know we have transactions, and the world relies on the internet now. You know, it's turned into a you know a criminal endeavor. You know, but there is still hackers that are out there that have different motivations. You know, some for old school for the challenge, you know, most of them for uh, fraud. And then you have these hacktivists that, you know, want to hack into a police department because they're angry uh, maybe about an officer-related shooting and they want to, you know, voice their opinion on the police department's website so they hack the website and deface it. What's new in terms of technology, Kevin? What's on the horizon? What's coming out? Well, quantum computing looks interesting. I saw that Google released an article uh, talking about the quantum computer they developed. And, you know, 
you know, computers now are like zero and one. You know, it, it, you, you have one operation, but when you're dealing with quantum computing, that's when you could do these operations in parallel. So imagine taking the computer power today and multiplying it by gazillion, and you have to think about what, you know, what, type of, what types of things could be done even in security when the world relies on cryptography, you know, having secret messages or secret communications that are using particular types of algorithms to make sure that, that you know, the underlying information is kept secret. Now you have quantum computing come into play, and you can imagine now the nation states having the capability to crack those keys. You know, so, uh, among many other different, you know, uh, applications. But that's just one of them that obviously, as a security person, that comes to mind. Will this invalidate the security protocols that we know about today? Like, for example, when you go to your bank, you see that the lock symbol in your browser right. indicates you're using a particular protocol. What if now that, you know, quantum computing comes mainstream and now we can crack the, you know, this protocol, so to speak, um, or the keys, uh, you know, they use public key cryptography. If that's, you know, if we're able to factor prime numbers very rapidly, then that protocol becomes obsolete, and now what do we do? Kevin, uh, our, smart, our smartphones are computers. Do they get hacked, too? Yeah, that's actually how I you know, got into a lot of trouble, George, is back in the 90s, I was fascinated with uh, cell phones, because... I was into ham radio, amateur radio, yeah. and um, you know, since I was 13, and uh, I was also fascinated with computers. And if you look at a cell phone, it's really a, a radio and a, com- a computer into one. And uh, so I wanted to get access to the internals of the phone to understand how it works. So what led to uh, a lot of you know problems for me, of course, in in the legal sense. Or was that I hacked into a lot of these cell phone companies that made the made the handsets like Motorola, Nokia, Fujitsu, NEC, and I, you know, grabbed a copy of the source code to the firmware. The firmware is like the chip that runs, you know, these instructions that control the brain of the phone. And my intention was just to learn how it worked. It wasn't, you know, to obviously you know, make a competing product or anything. And uh, that's what led me into a lot of trouble. But today. You know, that was the old technology, what were they called, uh, you know, which was analog. Now we have digital technologies, and everybody uses a smartphone. And really scary stuff, like one of the big hacks in 2019, or are, are big vulnerabilities, rather, is this kid who was 14 years old figured out how he could eavesdrop on anybody, you know, in, uh, going through... Uh, their smart, anybody's smartphone by using Apple's FaceTime application. Do you know how good he's going to be when he's 30? <laughs> <laughs> no, but this kid did it by accident. He was a gamer and, and accidentally stumbled across this flaw that allowed him to essentially listen in on anybody's conversations on their phone, not when they're making <laughs> phone calls per se, but just by abusing the Apple FaceTime app. And I remember reading in the press that his mom... This kid's mom was calling Apple, calling her congressman, calling, you know, the Apple store, trying to report this serious flaw, but they didn't take it seriously. No, they didn't even probably know what was going on. Well, so what they did is after they published it working, you know, with videos, you know, then Apple goes, oh, my God, you know. The the kid's right. And then they fixed it. But 
you know, you have stuff like that. You have these um, groups called, there's a group called NSO Group out of Israel, and they develop cyber weapons for nation states to essentially spy on dissidents, journalists, could be people like you and me, who knows? Depends if you're a target of, of any government around the world. Mm-hmm. And they develop spyware. So they figured out this, uh, uh, this vulnerability in WhatsApp. And with this vulnerability in WhatsApp, they could, you didn't have to do anything as a user, but they could, through your WhatsApp application, and I think billions of people have WhatsApp installed, um, they could take control of your phone and install malware and monitor everything you do on the phone. Amazing. It was one of their best tools that one of their employees said it was like our best remote access tool that got burned because, you know, somebody had found, you know, had identified this. And Facebook, who owns WhatsApp, is so angry over this third-party company developing these cyber weapons that abuse their tool. They actually, I think, just recently filed a lawsuit against the NSO in federal court in Northern California. So it's going to be very interesting if a a company that develops applications, if you have a third party compromise those applications to obviously injure the consumers of the product, is now, now can that company be sued? So that's going to be a very interesting case. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.